This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSC.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. It's a Friday night edition of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Now, up front, let me tell you that here in Columbia, at our studios, we are experiencing an outage with the Internet. We're being told by Spectrum that it should be up and running most any time, but as of this moment, it's not up and running. So we're only on in Columbia. Apologize to our other affiliates around the state. We've informed them of the issue. They may or may not wait on us. They may have to go to alternate programming, which we'll certainly understand. You don't want a bunch of dead air. So hopefully they're monitoring us uh, somehow, some way. But unfortunately, we can't send anything out. We can't send anything out down any streams. Can't send anything out down the Internet. Can't receive anything. Bergie can't connect with us, et cetera, et cetera. So we're sort of not in the dark because we have electricity, but we are in the dark when it comes to Internet access. And, you know, like so many in this business, we are totally dependent on Internet access to be able to connect our stations around the state. So we apologize for that. I mean, it's not it's nothing we can do. Uh, We're a customer and we're waiting for the outage to be uh, returned or the outage to be eliminated and the signal to be returned. Kevin Cohen is working diligently behind the scenes to get all this done for us here at our Columbia studio, the Point Radio, and hopefully before I have to uh, go on and on for too much longer, we'll have a connection and we'll get to the regular programming. This also means you can't call in because the phone lines aren't working. So don't wear out your fingers just yet. You can't get through to us. Everything is uh, internet connected in this 22nd century studio. This is beyond the 21st century. 22nd century studio. Back in the old days of telephone lines, we might not have this problem unless somebody drove a car into a telephone pole somewhere and knocked down a nearby line. We didn't have this kind of problem. But we are ultra technical these days. So it is. What it is, and what I like to say in these situations, don't sweat the small stuff. Control what you can control. And I cannot control, we cannot control the Internet, the Internet connection, et cetera, et cetera. So with all that being said, we will move on as best as possible. Pat Daniel is here, and uh, we'll chop it up a little bit, beginning with the uh, USC women last night. Pretty darn impressive. I tell you what impressed me the most in watching that game is how they just hung in there. They hung in there, hung in there, hung in there, and it was sort of like chopping down a tree, one chop at a time. And eventually they chopped down the tree that was LSU. 
Uh, when Reese got into deep foul trouble, then eventually fouled out. That was kind of the opening that South Carolina needed. Of course, they hit a couple of big threes and played some good defense down the stretch and came away with a very impressive victory. So no question, no doubt that uh, the USC women are the best team in college basketball up there. Was any doubt prior to, there is none now. Even though LSU had taken a couple of losses earlier in the year, I think most people thought that they were one of the best teams in the country, and they still are. There's no question about it. They still are. But South Carolina proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are the queen of the hill, the USC women. Thank you, Kevin. Are we back up? Kevin Cohen extraordinaire, ladies and gentlemen. Let's give him a round of applause as he leaves the building. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Good job, Kevin. So we do have internet service. We will now be able to take your phone calls, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. We'll have Bergie up and running with us momentarily, and hopefully our stations around the state are joining us now that we have the internet connected. Uh, And Pat, if you can do me one quick favor, if you can do me one quick favor, one quick favor, can you go to the mic? And say hello to the good people while I text our affiliates and let them know? I can certainly do that. And just to piggyback on what you were saying, I don't have any notes in front of me, but of the game last night, just again, what a game. And a few things that you said stood out to you, well, something that stood out to me was the depth that this Gamecock squad has. Again, I feel like we've said this for several years in a row now, but Don Staley, Coach Don Staley, has built up such a team. LSU only went seven deep last night. That may be a problem in the long term for LSU, or maybe Kim Mulkey is still trying to navigate her lineup. I know they might might have lost a couple folks here or there, so she might still be kind of navigating that. And to some extent, the Gamecocks are still navigating theirs as well. But that roster, it just seemed like no matter who came off the bench for the Gamecocks, they were head-to-head or right up there with whomever they were facing off with LSU. Because again, LSU was not going very deep in their bench, but three, four, multiple deep on the Gamecock bench seemed like they were every bit as good as those starters for LSU. And that just, again, just extremely big props to Coach Staley and what she has built here. This program, they look head and shoulders above everybody else. To win in that atmosphere on the road in Baton Rouge, now to improve to 18-0, that's what, four at least ranked wins on the season now, I believe, on the road, and a multiple of which have been on the road. This squad just goes out. They're not afraid to play anybody here, there, wherever. They'll travel across the pond and play you over in, what was it, in Paris? Mm-hmm. They'll play you there. They'll play you in Baton Rouge. Does not matter. And I don't mean any disrespect to the teams that LSU has beaten, but if you look down their schedule thus far this season, it's night and day compared to the Gamecock squad. The Gamecocks' strength of schedule is through the roof, and they have met every single match to this part. No this question point. about it. And I don't think they played their best basketball last night. They no. did maybe in the fourth quarter. They shot 55% in the fourth quarter. They hit mm, a higher percentage of their threes in the fourth quarter. They saved their best for the last 10 minutes as Chris Bergen now joins us from the Bergy Palace in Sardis, and he was dialed oh, in last night because he is uh, a huge women's basketball fan, of course. He's just a fan of all kinds of basketball. I love but it. But I thought that they really played their best best basketball when it mattered most those last 10 minutes. And um, like I said earlier, did not let LSU get too far away when they fell behind by 11. They could have collapsed in those circumstances. They could have collapsed. They were still down at halftime, but did not let it get out of hand and then took over in the fourth quarter. 
And to rest your mind a little bit, uh, we're actually on here in Florence. I listened to you guys discussing texting Good. the affiliates. So our affiliate here in Florence was already on top of things. So, well, 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 that's my, that's my Uncle Dave, Uncle Dave Baker. He doesn't miss a thing yeah. down there in Florence. So well done, guys. But, uh, yeah, last night was a tremendous night for women's college basketball, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Phil. The biggest – there were two keys to last night's game. First was the fact that LSU came out and played probably as good a first quarter as they possibly could and took advantage of that huge home court advantage. But the problem was they could not maintain and extend it. When South Carolina was only down five at halftime, I doubt Kim Mulkey told her team this, but she had to be concerned because they had that game in, in hand in the first half, and the Gamecocks, to their credit, whittled it down to within striking distance. And when the fourth quarter rolled around, as Pat just pointed out, when you go seven deep versus, say, 10 or 11 deep like the Gamecocks do and as talented as their bench is, eventually you're going to get worn down. And I thought that the biggest factor, obviously, aside from how well Carolina played in the fourth quarter, was Angel Reese fouling out with four minutes left to go. If LSU had any hope, to maintain that lead and win that ball game, she can she cannot foul out. She's got to find a way to stay on the floor, and it, it bared itself out because USC outscored them eleven to three the final four minutes of that game and took a two point deficit. Ended up winning by six. And that fourth foul for Angel Reese, just to piggyback on what you're saying there, Chris, might have been a bit questionable. It looked like the two players just got tangled up in the paint, but that last foul where she actually fouled out, that was just lack of discipline, at least in my opinion. That was just an uncalled for foul. She had no need. She reached over from behind. At that point, you have to know, and she's too experienced at this point, she needs to know how important she is to her team. And once she was out of the game with that fifth foul, it was a completely different ballgame. Oh, yeah. And and Carolina didn't have to worry about her anymore. And she was playing extremely well throughout that contest. I mean, she was the catalyst for them. She and Morrow, I thought, had ter- uh, terrific ball games. And you touched on yesterday's sort of overlooked Haley Van Lifts. She gave them a big lift as well with 13 points and three assists. But, you know, as that game sort of wore along and Carolina ho- excuse me, hung around as mm-hmm. long as they did, and once they got it into the fourth quarter, you just felt like their ability – to handle the moment was going to be greater than LSU's inability to handle the moment. And certainly when Reese fouled out, I think that was probably the uh, final nail in their coffin because the Gamecocks were going to go past them at that point in time. And darn it, if they had made four more free throws, I would have hit the final score on the head. So close. I said they went 80 to 70. <laughs> ended up winning 76 to a 70. Did but somebody, just a terrific game. Did somebody on the show last night not predict 76 for the Gamecocks? Yeah, I think you. Probably, I think you may have. Did I not say seventy six to sixty something, or did I say seventy two to sixty something? I thought I, I said seventy six mm. to sixty something. You know, I'm not claiming any sort of great insider knowledge here. I'm just no. pointing out what can be pointed out. So while we're sitting here patting ourselves on the back, Mister Bergen, I thought that I would, <laughs> you know, reach around my shoulder and tap myself a couple of times. But yes, yeah, great win for the South Carolina women. We'll hear from. Don Staley here coming up in a little bit. We'll take your phone calls, 888-898-2525. Let's look ahead a little bit because another big basketball game tomorrow as South Carolina and Clemson uh, continue to win. The stakes grow higher for them. Saw two different projections today for the two teams as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. You've got Jerry Palm with CBS Sports. I'll take it with a grain of salt because these things change, of course, on a weekly basis. But Jerry Palm with CBS Sports, he's got Clemson as a three seed 
against yeah, Louisiana Tech in Charlotte. All right? He's got the Gamecocks, an eight seed, versus Seton Hall over in Memphis. Then you've got, of course, uh, the projection from ESPN, and the bracketology there has Clemson a seven seed against Mississippi State in Indianapolis, the Gamecocks a nine seed against Seton Hall in Omaha. So we'll see what happens. This thing will dance all over the place between now and Selection Sunday, of course. But two experts right now, Lenardi and Palm, both have the Gamecocks and Tigers in the field. Nobody else. They've got Drexel winning the CAA. That is Drexel's the CAA, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They got right. Drexel coming out of the CAA. They're in conference play, and they're basically going on what, what is going on right now. And Drexel is in the league in the uh, CAA. But for Jerry Palm to have Clemson as a three seed, he must be assuming – that the Tigers are going to win tomorrow and finish second in the conference to North Carolina. Because I think he also had North Carolina on the one line, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. He did. Yeah. He did. So uh, that's that's a big-time uh, sort of props being thrown at the uh, Tigers to be able to go into Durham because I think they would have to win that game more than likely you would think to be able to finish ahead of the Blue Devils in he the didn't, conference. He did not. Nobody had Furman in from the SOCON. And right now, Furman's a very hot basketball team. They won the other night. you got to keep a, an eye out for Furman in the Southern Conference as, again, a potential. Of course, it all comes down to the league tournament yeah. for those leagues, those one-bid leagues. It all comes down to the league tournament for them, so anything can happen. But you got to keep an eye on them. So tomorrow, here's what we've got around the state in basketball. South Carolina home to Missouri, seeking to sweep the two games from the Tigers and keep the momentum going from what they built the other night, and that win over the uh, Kentucky Wildcats. Clemson will play at Duke tomorrow afternoon. A big game for the Tigers. They've had a week off. They're coming off a win at Florida State. We'll see if they are either well-rested, well-prepared, or rusty when they play this game tomorrow. Uh, Furman will play at Wofford. Winthrop will be home to High Point, Upstate at Gardner-Webb, Presbyterian at Radford, South Carolina State at Delaware State, Charleston Southern home to Asheville, the Citadel at UT Chattanooga. Citadel had a great comeback the other night, beat Mercer. They were down 15 or so, came back and won that. College of Charleston at Campbell, and your Coastal Carolina Shauna Clears home to Georgia State. And then Sunday, the USC women hosting Vanderbilt. That's a sellout in Columbia. The Clemson women hosting Wake Forest. Let's take a moment and talk about the craziness now for college basketball right here in the capital city between the USC men and women. If the USC <laughs> men win yesterday to go to, I mean, tomorrow, if they win tomorrow to go to 17-3 and three and 5-2 and two in the ACC and the women win again to remain unanimous number one, You'd have to kind of look at Columbia, South Carolina as well. Can you call it the capital of college basketball with two teams? No other city can claim two teams like that, can they? UConn. Yeah. Yeah, stores probably can. Well, that's, well, that, that's time what's out, hurting time the Gamecocks the, the, on the, the men's the, side the, is they're U- not ranked. But the UConn women are – I mean, I know they're ranked, but they're down, aren't they, a little bit? Aren't they down the list a little bit? They're not the UConn women of, of old. True. True. Are they? No. So, now, the USC men are not the UConn men. Okay, I get you that. But that's a good call. Stores, Connecticut? UConn's eight right now. Yeah. Just for a number of years now. And I, I may be wrong, but I believe they were the first, if not still the only 
school to ever win both the men and women's championship in the same year. Did they did that? I believe it was the year Kimba Walker yeah. led them. I think so. I think so. All right. So anyway, big hot times in uh, the capital city when it comes to basketball. Maybe not the capital of the college basketball world yet, but if the US, USC men keep winning and get into the top 25 and you look ahead to uh, what's in store for them and, and what the, the possibilities are ahead for them, uh, if they can sort of keep their, their eyes straight ahead, not get caught up in the moment and all that kind of stuff. So Missouri tomorrow – that's a should win for them, right? I think we'd all agree. Should wins a, aren't necessarily win. wins, but yeah, it goes back that's to what I said. Win. You cannot yeah. lose this game. But well, then you go to Tennessee. Tennessee. On the rise and, yeah, that's you've tough. Got to win tomorrow. Yeah. Tennessee and Georgia, they can win in Athens, just like Georgia won in Columbia. Winning at Tennessee will be tough. Put that one on the the loser ledger. Um, but Ole Miss, Georgia, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt. Three potential wins right there. Two of those are at home. So if you're South Carolina, win tomorrow, take your lumps at Tennessee, go win at Georgia, beat Ole Miss, beat Vanderbilt, probably lose to Auburn. Yeah, on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Beat LSU at home, probably lose to Ole Miss in Oxford, can beat Texas A&M out there, and then come home. You can beat Florida at home, and then Tennessee might be one of those – you know, toss-up games like you had against Kentucky. So there's a good four or five, six wins still left on that schedule for South Carolina as I see it. No, no doubt. That's that's a 20-plus win season. I think everybody would have signed up for that in, in Garnet Black before the season began. And you would certainly be in the thick of the race for at least one bye at the FCC tournament, which is critical. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have to play every day up there. You want to get as many buys as possible and, and certainly make a lot of people in the conference look foolish for picking them dead last in the SEC and probably puts Lamont Paris in the uh, in firm control of SEC Coach of the Year, don't you think? No if, question. If Georgia's, coach, if Georgia's Mike White doesn't get it. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. you got to talk about, well, when you're picked last and you finish way up, maybe in the upper division – you have to be considered a, a favorite to win it all. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as Clemson is concerned, we mentioned they go to Duke tomorrow. Obviously, difficult game there for the Tigers. Bad history in Durham, and Duke is still Duke. And you can't take anything for granted when you go to play there. So the Tigers going into that game tomorrow, 13-5, and 3-4 and four in the ACC. Duke is 14-4. and four and five and two probably got to give that one to duke on paper but then you come home to play louisville that should be a win and then you play virginia at home which should be a very low scoring game there virginia's really tightened it up defensively here late they're holding teams to a very low number which is something that clemson likes to do but virginia at home would be a winnable game then you go to north carolina who they're playing out of their minds, North Carolina, oh, yeah. playing out of their minds. And then you go to Syracuse, which would be a winnable game on the road. Mm-hmm. Miami and NC State and Georgia Tech and Florida State and Pittsburgh and Notre Dame. and Really, after that North Carolina game, I think everything else on Clemson's board is winnable. Everything else there is winnable for them, including a couple of road games. That Georgia Tech game, winnable. Notre Dame road, winnable. Wake Forest, Winston winnable Syracuse up there winnable with this team so there's still a lot of wins out there for the Tigers a great chance for them to get to 20 wins as well 
and that probably is the reason Joe or um, I guess it was who was uh, Jerry Palm Jerry for Palm. CBS. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably a reason. What he did is ran through their schedule as well, and seeing the same things we are that the Tigers should be favored in the majority of their games left, except probably tomorrow and then when North Carolina they have to run into the uh, Tar Heels, who are playing as well as anybody in the country right now. Aside from that, you're right, Phil. There are a lot of winnable ball games on both sides of the ledger for the Gamecocks and Tigers. Now you got to go out and do it. I mean, we can sit here and, and size it up. Yeah, they should beat Ole Miss. They probably will lose at Tennessee, you know, that type of thing. Or mm-hmm. Upson should go, should be able to beat Miami again if they play better defense than they did the first go-round and certainly can contend with a lot of the uh, games they've got at home against teams like Virginia and Wake Forest and the like. But if they go out, and from Clemson's perspective, they're going to win at, it's sort of like South Carolina. They're both going to go as far as their defense will carry them. And for the Gamecocks, it's probably as far as their three-point shooting on offense would carry them and how well P.J. Hall and uh, Ian Shefflin can carry the Tigers. But, yeah, winnable games for both of them. Now they've just got to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. So before we go to the call, I want to make a quick correction here. I said earlier about uh, you. we talked about South Carolina and Columbia right now potentially being the capital in the country of, right now of women's and men's – sorry, of college basketball, both mm-hmm. men and women's programs doing well. Mm-hmm. I thought there was only one time, but it's happened twice in the history of college basketball that a men's and women's program at the same school have won the national championship in the same year, and it was UConn both times. They did it in 2004 and most recently in 2014. If you're following along, a lot of people are thinking maybe 2024, you do it once every 10 years, hmm. not thinking that's going to happen this year, but hey, they do have two good, two good, uh, very good programs. All right, to the phones we go, 888 Two five. It's a Friday night. I know it's a chill night. It's a kickback night. It's a relaxed night. It's a let it all hang out kind of night here on Sports Talk. We go to Hank in Columbia first up on the program. Welcome in, Hank. Good to have you with us. Hey, Corn. How's it going? You know, 20 minutes ago, it wasn't going real well. Right now, it's going fantastically. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell you, um, I just wanted to... Uh, Simon and a couple of other things about that the game last night that that makes you really impressed with our, our women. Uh, one, you know, there's a lot of people that always make um, comments about um, in-game coaching and, and Don's coaching, uh, but did you see the graphic where in the last three years, the Gamecocks have trailed by double digits in nine games, and in every one of those games, they've come back and won? Yes. Heard that last Including night. That's a very support. impressive, a very impressive stat. And that kind of leads into my next comment, which was um, when we had it at five and half at the half. I felt pretty good because one, uh, as they stated, and they they even interviewed and told us the monkey which came out the locker room is that you know how are you going to deal with South Carolina once they make their adjustments because when they come out, they kind of. Uh, do they really turn it up the third or fourth quarter as far as whatever you were getting done in the first half. And um and she said something like, Well, we need to punch first and if you remember Starkline came out and, and within the first couple of minutes of the second half, uh they cut it to one one time and so Moki had to take a timeout and she was visibly upset. Um and so uh this is something that I think Chris would appreciate is the fact that Throughout that entire game, with all those fans in there, and when LSU had people, the Marl girl that made the two threes that got him out to the lead in the first um, quarter, she only shoots 18% from the three. So it was very surprising that she hit them 
I'm sure surprised in South Carolina looking at the scouting report. But throughout the entire game, South Carolina remained poised and continued to play their game. Even though they would be down by seven or eight or whatever, they didn't come down and start throwing up Aaron Jackson shots like they had to get back to the lead. Mm-hmm. They just continued to play. And, and I think that, that helped. And then one last thing when you talk about um, Reese and the foul trouble. At halftime, they interviewed Reese. And you could tell she was kind of gassed because of the way we sub in our bench. The later, you know, foul, dumb fouls and errant passes normally come the more fatigue you got. And the more fatigue else you got, the more uh, out of sorts they were. Yeah. Excellent points. Excellent points. Yeah, South Carolina did a great job working their bench in. They had great balance mm-hmm. scoring. The ball moved. Uh, they missed some chippies in sh- inside that really could have helped them maybe put that game away a little bit earlier, but that happens in women's hoops. We'll be back after this break. We'll continue with your calls, and we'll hear from Don Staley. We are back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you. Quick reminder, spring and summer around the corner, go ahead and get those plans in place for your summer vacation because the good stuff's going to be taken up quickly, so you need to move today. Call Jimmy Smith, 843-237-4246. It's 843 843- Two three seven forty two forty six. Just remember, of course, eight four three is the area code. Twenty three Michael Jordan and seven Mickey Mantle. So there's your there's your first three. Jordan and Mantle. This is how I remember numbers. Jordan and Mantle. And then for forty two and forty six, you got uh who's a famous forty two? That's not a NASCAR car. Come on now. <laughs> A famous 42? I can think of a lot in baseball. Well, give me one. Oh, come Mariano on Rivera. Say, well, yeah. and oh, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, yeah. <laughs> Jackie Robinson, Mariano Rivera, or give me a 46. Well, now I don't have that. You could go, you <laughs> could go Brett Favre and Baker Mayfield. Isn't he six? Or you could Charlie just remember Whitehurst. the phone number. Charlie Whitehurst. There you go. <laughs> Or just remember the phone <laughs> just number. Just remember the phone number. If you have to go through this exercise, it's probably not worth right. it. So here we go. It's 843-Jordan-Mantle, Jackie Robinson, Brett Favre. Andy Pettit was 46. Andy Pettit. Yeah, there you go. Or you could go Brett Favre and Charlie Whitehurst. There you go. Anyway, give Jimmy a call. He's much easier to reach than I'm making it sound. Or go online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. And get yourself set up for a great spring or summer vacation. Uh, a couple of other quick notes, uh, then more calls, and then uh, we'll hear from Don Staley. Poll question of the week is now over, and 874 votes, 91.9%. Lenore Sellers will be South Carolina's starting quarterback, 4.1%. Robbie Ashford, 3.4%. Luke Doty, 0.6% for Dante Reno. Today, the South Carolina Athletic Coaches Association named 
some coaches of the year and AD of the year. The AD is Todd Staley, and he is from uh, Spartanburg. And I am not going to have all the schools by these coaches because they put a list out but don't have the schools. So I'll just give you the names. Cheerleading is Courtney Fatchko. Golf is Roger Smith. Tennis is Catherine Godwin. Boys cross country is Jeff Byes. Girls cross country is David Lee. Football is Nick Pelham. I know that's White Knoll. And volleyball is Casey McKee. So congratulations to those coaches. Job well done here in the state of South Carolina. And Missouri is set to hire South Alabama defensive coordinator Corey Batoon as their new defensive coordinator. This is from Pete Femmel. And, 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 that's it. That's it for now. So, Gamecock Larry, you are up next on Sports Talk. I know you're feeling good. We should take, Gamecock Larry, you are on such a roll. Everything you have predicted of late has come true. We need to get you out to Las Vegas. That's what we need to do. You know what? You ain't going to believe this. My friend, Dr. Macon, called me. When we was 11 points down the second time, we was 11 points down, and he called me. He said, I'm worried. I'm worried, Larry. I said, I ain't worried one bit. We're going to win this game by 17. We wiped that 11, beat them by six. What is that? 17. Oh, my goodness. That's why that did happen. I, I, I'm not telling you, no story. You, sir, you, you or something else. I told him that. He didn't believe me. He was worried. I said, Dr. Macon, don't sweat it. We're going to win it by 17. He said, boy, I, I sure said, I'll just take one. I said, 17. We wiped out the 11, beat them by six. 17 points. Ugh. Uncanny. Old Uncanny. Kim, old Kim Mulkey, Mulkey, huh? and Angel Reese. i tell you what. Angel Reese. Yes, she fouled out. She said if she reached over there and slapped, slapped that girl's arm like she owned her. Mm. Yes, it was a stupid foul, Angel. But that's all right. Old Don got him rolling. We're going to roll tomorrow on Missouri on the men's team. We're going to roll Sunday on the women's team. I'm going to call you Monday on the on 100.7, and we're going to be 4 old for this weekend. That's about all I got to say. All right. Have a good day. Good evening. Love all y'all. All right. Go ahead, God. Larry, Red Hot Larry. I'm going to call him Red Hot Larry. <clears throat> you can't touch him right now. He's on fire, and everything he touches turns. Midas. We're going to call him Larry Midas Gamecock. Larry the Gamecock. He is, he is taking a little liberty, though, with the we're going to win by 17. Well, I understand his math. <laughs> He's it's like some it. of the things that Dabo says. Yeah. You know, it, it can twist the words to sound good. And yeah. It's not exactly what he said. No. But, but I get his point. And, it, and for them works. being down 11 to come back was, was there's no question, impressive, especially on the road. And mm-hmm. just proves as, as complete a team as they are, you, you've got to drive that stake in their heart. And I think with LSU, as I mentioned earlier, when they were only up five at halftime, you could not be feeling comfortable in that home locker room. Mm-mm. No. And the Gamecocks hadn't played their best. And, no. And they finally they got close. together. 
All right, let's go to Dawn Staley and hear what she had to say to the media after the win last night. The uh, Gamecocks uh, continue to extend their incredible uh, – are you paying attention to these streaks? Their incredible um, number of different streaks uh, remain intact and, and are extended. So this makes it 18 in a row overall winning streak, 28 in a row at uh, on the road on an opponent's floor, 37 in a row in the SEC, 19 in a row on an SEC uh, road court, and five in a row against ranked teams, and nine in a row against ranked teams on their floors. All, oh, and that was the number 1,000th game in yes. the women's program's history. 1,000 games for the USC women's basketball program. Actually, it wins. No, games. There's- are you sure? I thought it was games. David Cloninger from the Post and Courier tweeted out after a game last night it was there a 1,000th win as a program. Okay. All right. Well, if David tweeted it, then that's probably true. I take his I take his word for it. Anyway. Yeah, I'm seeing here on Sports Illustrated, same thing. There's, this is uh, the program secured win number 1,000 last night against LSU. Yeah, okay, all right. And, you know, you roll through their schedule, and, and I know everybody wants to see LSU and, and Carolina again, but from LSU's perspective, the next time they would see South Carolina, you would think, would be in Greenville at the SEC tournament, and the reverse is going to be true with the home court advantage. And then if they might meet them in a tournament, it's going to be a neutral site game. So if you're the Tigers, you had to win last night to try and snap that streak against the Gamecocks because I don't think you're getting them in Greenville, and you're probably not getting them on a neutral floor either. Yep. And to, right. add, to add a bit more before we go to this audio, just this is astounding. They become at least the 13th program bit curious why it's not an exact number but at least the 13th program to, to eclipse the 1000th win mark they joined the likes of tennessee yukon stanford texas maryland and notre dame and that elite company but this note right here the program had 580 wins when dawn staley took over in 2008 so that means oh my she, gosh she is responsible for 42 percent of all wins in the program's oh history that is unbelievable. Since the beginning of the 2018-19 season, South Carolina has won 170 games, or 17% of their all-time wins, just since 2018-2019. And that tied for the most wins in all of women's college basketball throughout that stretch, with UConn being the only team close. 999 and 535 in 50 years going into last night. Who's responsible for most of the 535 losses? That's even a better question. Trip Kelly, uh, Susan Walvius. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, no, I'm just I'm just throwing names out there. Who knows? Yeah. they've had. I'm good wondering coaches. though, just because of longevity, I wonder where Nancy Wilson would be. Nancy in that Wilson, category. yeah. Or what about oh, what's her face? Um, oh, kick the table. Um, oh, you know who I'm talking about? Pam Pam Parsons. No, she won a lot of games, but they were AIAW back then, mm-hmm. and then. Was she there when they transitioned the NCAA? I, I, I can't recall. Anyway, enough of that. Win number 1,000 and all those other streaks occurred last night. Here's Dawn Staley. Uh, Coach, Bree hits those two threes in the final minutes of the game. Uh, what does it say or what is it about her that allows her to be so clutch in those like really high-pressure moments? Because she does the same thing at UNC. Yeah. Well, I got, I got to give it up to Leah Boston today because she said something to uh, to Breezy during the timeout that really relaxed her, 
um, settled her down to be able to see the ball come at her and and it's a practice shot. It's what she does every single day that we're out on the court. Uh, puts in extra and uh, didn't hesitate. Don a couple. Do you know what Aaliyah said to her? I, I don't. Aaliyah wouldn't tell me. <laughs> and then just throughout the game, it seemed like you guys had a lot of problems with offensive rebounds, kind of points off turnovers. Just what did it say to the fortitude of your team to keep hanging in there, get it down within possession, and then just keep hanging in until they could hit the shot? I mean, it's basketball. You make adjustments, and uh, I thought our players did a great job at making adjustments um, after the half. And just, I mean, it basically just boiled down to just toughening up. I mean, I thought uh, LSU had their way with us. Um, they had, I mean, I think we, I think they had about ten offensive rebounds in the first half. End up getting three, and that's the difference maker. You know, they make their money off um, offensive rebounds um, and putbacks and free throws. Let me see the free throws. Free throws, rebounding the free throws. Um, so we did a good job with that. Hi, Don. Um, your team has now won 10 consecutive games when trailing by double digits, dating back to November 2021. What has allowed your team and all these players, even though it's a different cast when you compare November 2021 to now, to, to do that, to have that resilience and to keep fighting back in those moments? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's circumstances. Is uh, I mean, you know, we're going to play for 40 minutes, no matter what the score is, no matter if we're down double digits or up double digits big. Um, we, we try to respect the game. We try to respect our opponents and, you know, try to figure out ways to, to close that gap. And, and if it, it, it's us. It was all us the first half, you know. And I, I do think uh, LSU had a lot to do with it. But once we settled in, it still was a dogfight. But at the same time, it was it was a game of runs. They made big plays. We made big plays. It was the team that made the you know the the last play um, was the one that was going to win this basketball game. Hi, Don. Um, obviously, a crazy crowd. I know they weren't very friendly to you, but I just wondered what has it been like to watch women's sports? They actually were. They were calling me boo. <laughs> well then, <laughs> what has it been like to watch women's sports just take off? I mean, this season seems to be a new level, um, and it's not just women's basketball, but that's definitely leading the charge. Um, I mean, think it's 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 um it's our game. It's our game that our game's been held down and held back, and now. I don't know if it's the television package or the, you know, the negotiations. I, I don't know what it is, but I think what we are uh, witnessing is something truly special. And you know, the the atmosphere here. I mean, everything. You know, the. I mean, I, I've never seen as many people in the, the plaza of any plaza um, for a regular season game, anyway. Um, and then the energy that was in this building um, was great, even though we're on the other side of it. I love being I love being in the gym with people who are, you know, really loving up on women's basketball um, to this level. But it's not going anywhere. It's only going to get bigger. Raven had maybe the two biggest plays of the night, drawing that fifth foul on Angel, and then the, the take on the last possession. Did you did you see anything from her in the fourth quarter? Maybe you saw that coming, or I guess what does it say about her that she was able to do two different kind of plays like that late? Um, I mean, Ra- Raven is a competitor. What you saw is just her making two competitive uh, moves. Um, you know, it's a huge, huge to get Angel out the game. Huge um, when she went through her all of her options of, of the the set that we wanted to run, um, couldn't complete any 
of the option. She put her head down and made a play um, and, and made it. And, and actually, that was probably the, the game winner. They put the game out of reach. And um, she needs that. Like, she, she, she put so much into the game. I'm glad the game found a way to, to replay, repay her in that moment. <clears throat> Coach, did it did it feel like a NCAA tournament Final Four type game? Yeah, yes, yes. And I, I think the, the crowd and the you know the players, you know they 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 made plays. They kept the crowd engaged. Um, I, I thought it was just a great display of basketball. I, it wasn't great shooting by by either team, but we made plays against each other. And you know I, I know we held. The audience, um, the TV audience, uh, we held their attention. I'm sure. I don't know what the ratings will be, but, I mean, you, you can't but love what took place um, tonight, and, and hopefully it continues throughout our, our season. And some, some time's going by, but do you still feel the same way about the BYU scheduling? Has, has that changed at all? Where did that come from? We're going to go over here on the left side of the history in this cluster right here. <laughs> Thanks. You referenced the uh, TV package and the TV audience. Uh, ESPN brought their whole crew here. I'm just curious, like, are you aware of that? Are the players aware of that? And how meaningful is it to you that you know, ESPN brings this full crew to, to the game? It, it means we're, we're taking a step forward in our game. Um, I don't know his name, but but I met him. I had several conversations with him, and he he told me that it will look different. And he's a decision maker, and he's decided to change the look of women's basketball. Um, he's done it with the WNBA. He's doing it now for you know our, our college game, women's basketball, um, and for them to all be here in one place. It's called making being intentional. Um, so you know, college game day we'll probably visit some other other um, campuses, and I hope the entire crew is here. Uh, the, the entire crew is there because it shows the commitment. And I hope the fact that he made that commitment to see um, LSU fill this building, create the atmosphere. We put on a you know great game. That could have gone any either way. Um, so it was a great display of women's basketball. You've kind of talked about it, but my question was going to be, how great was the game, the competition, the athletes on both sides, all so, those things? That, that I mean, it, it was, you know, when you, when you think about just utopia, you know, you want what does it look like, what does it feel like, what does it sound like? It had all the, the dynamics of what you want every – you know, women's basketball player to experience. And selfishly, um, we, we do that at our place in South Carolina, and they do it here at LSU, uh, and they're doing, they do it in Iowa. They, they do it in a lot of different places. Um, but the experience that, um, that our student athletes are afforded because of what the crowd is doing and what the decision makers are doing to, to bring more attention to our game, um, we're going to talk about this for years. And I, and I hope we don't because they will be replaced with other experiences. And this is just this is normal. Uh, all right, some comments from uh, Dawn Staley, all of us on our website, sportstalksc.com. Also in podcast form where we house our podcast. You can get it there as well. Did you catch a little very brief, not flare-up, but if you're watching the video, 
some jackhead. And I call him a jackhead because, you know, when you're in the media, yeah, asking questions is part of what you do. But you also have to understand circumstances and surroundings and where you are. And to bring up the question about the BYU series being canceled from a couple of years ago, last night at that particular setting was totally inappropriate from a reporting standpoint. And she was very gentle with this guy. She could have jumped down his throat. She's like, you're, you're reaching. You know, where'd that, where'd that come from? It had no place in that particular setting. That's a guy who's got a personal axe to grind against Dawn Staley, and he felt like this was his only shot to get that question out there. But you're right. And, and it makes us all look bad in, in the job we do, trying to do it the right way when somebody comes in and asks a question that's totally off base. I mean, he couldn't have looked any more ridiculous if he asked Dawn last night after the game, hey, what did you think of Shane Beamer making a change at wide receiver during the third quarter of the Missouri game? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he wouldn't look any more ridiculous yeah. than what he did. And I got curious, and I Googled to see who might have written this. I don't know if this is the person, but there's an article by a Glenn Gulbau that came out today, and the headline is, South Carolina coach Dawn Staley still won't accept reality of unfounded racist claims involving BYU. Whoa. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Well, now, Glenn, uh, uh, so I'm wondering if this is who asked the question. It could have been. Glenn, what's the last name? G-U-I-L-B-E-A-U. Yeah, he's a long-time Outkick. writer down there in LSU. Yeah, he's been a long-time LSU writer. Uh, I think he might have worked for the Baton Rouge newspaper at one time. He's with Outkick. Well, there you go. That explains where that's coming from. All right, got to run to a quick break, and we'll be back. 888 898 2525 South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. In our second hour, uh, we'll open up with baseball. Baseball practice began today, Chris. Did you know that? Did it ever stop? Did they ever stop practicing? Did it ever stop? Yeah. They practice all the time. Well, the official start of practice was today. We'll hear from Kingston. We'll also hear from Backage and then Birdies and Bogies. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, it's the fall in South Carolina. That means it's deer season. What do people need to know about? That's right, Phil. It is deer season. We always want to remind hunters to identify your target. Know the identifying features of the game you're hunting. Make sure that it's a deer before you take that shot. When walking to and from your stand in low light, use a flashlight so that no one will mistake you for a deer. For more information on hunting safety and more information on deer season, listen to our show on Wednesday nights on the Sports Talk Media Network. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, 
travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives. And as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible What's a deductible you say That's the price you have to pay Before the insurance will say We'll help you They keep that number out of reach Because they know that you won't reach that number Because they know you're healthy 605-7905 Zero dollar deductible 605-7905 727 is the area code. Hey, I see we got the memo about the blue shirts tonight. Anything particular about this Friday that led us all to wear blue shirts? Blue it's, Friday? It's, I, I don't it's know. A blue yeah. shirt Friday. Uh, Pat has found that story written by that writer in Louisiana following last night's game, and we've only read just a little piece of it, but man, man. Like I said, axe to grind against Dawn Staley. I wonder (laughs) where this is coming from. Uh, We'll read you some of it when we come back from the top of the hour break. Stay tuned for that, plus some baseball talk, birdies and bogeys and biceps with George Bryan and and recruiting. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, going to hear from the baseball coaches in just a moment. Uh, Welcome back into Sports Talk. Uh, Pat has located that story that we touched on at the top of the hour that was written by a Louisiana writer who was in attendance last night at the USC-LSU game, and he was the one asked that question that you heard Don Staley go, what? You reaching, man. You reaching. And it was about South Carolina's refusal to honor a contract with BYU going back to that incident at BYU where allegedly uh, racial slurs were hurled at one of the uh, Duke uh, volleyball players. And as a result of that, um, Don Staley canceled the series with uh, BYU and stood behind the claims of the Duke volleyball team throughout all of this, even though the BYU people said they investigated it thoroughly and found no evidence that anybody said anything. So this writer uh, took it upon himself to ask that question. Then he actually from that question and non-refusal of an answer, Pat, he wrote a story about it. He sure did. And again, we're just putting two and two together here and under the assumption that this is the same person. Glenn Gilbo wrote this article for OutKick. And the headline, first of all, South Carolina coach Dawn Staley still won't accept reality of bogus racist claims involving BYU. 
Then you go to the opening line. Clearly, that frequent scowl of Dawn Staley was not there. Her number one and undefeated South Carolina women's basketball team had just come back from a double-digit deficit. He then goes on. The next line, though, is where he goes right back into basically attacking Coach Staley. Quote, LSU fans booed the villain of college basketball loudly as she entered the court. Quote, actually, they were nice. They were calling me boo, end quote, Staley said and laughed. Not even a question by OutKick about her continued stubborn reluctance without grounds to not reschedule Brigham Young University because of an alleged racial slur by a fan at a volleyball game at BYU in 2022 angered her. And it goes on just to talk a bit more about how this guy asked a question. Uh, a stunned coach Staley threw her arms up and said, quote, where did that come from? Out of nowhere. Well, then later, not to give you all the rigmarole of this article, he basically just continues to go on and on and berate Coach Staley for this bad decision. He brings in quotes from the South Carolina Freedom Caucus of more than 12 state uh, lawmakers who spoke about how that was a, quote, ill-advised overreaction to an apparent erroneous claim. But then uh, kudos to Coach Staley. She stuck her guns. She then did release a statement where she stood by her information that she had gathered from both BYU and Duke. And then South Carolina said in 2022 that Coach Staley would have no more comments on the matter. And she held on to that last night, as she should. But then the final line of this article, it's like this guy could not help but give one more jab. Mm. And it's, quote, Staley is sticking to her guns, although they are not shooting straight. End quote. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Well, again, that's an old story. There's a time and a place for it. And you have an agenda that you're trying to get to at that time because it was your best opportunity to get up close and personal with her but that setting you know right after that game was inappropriate now if you want to take her to the side and do a one-on-one and dig Mm -hmm. into that issue then good luck getting that done but go for it but I guess you know you can make a fool of yourself in front of everybody and not worry about it which this guy obviously didn't but then you can go write a nothing story a no meat story that was nothing but bread with no mayonnaise and no meat in the middle imagine sitting there and realizing you've got a matchup between number one versus number nine a real opportunity for the team that you allegedly cover to pull off a big win for them and their program and your whole mindset going into that ball game was you know afterwards i'm going to ask coach daly about this byu incident i don't care what happens in the game my only job is to ask her about this byu incident pretty lame just don't go to the game yeah just don't go to the game Pretty lame. Like you said, call USC, call the sports information office, try and see if you can arrange an interview with her. And they're going to probably, he probably figured they would give him the same courtesy that she gave him. I've got no comment and move on. But I mean, yeah, you're right. There's a time and place for everything. And that was certainly not the time nor the place for that question. All right, let's get to baseball. Baseball practice around the state and around the country officially began today. South Carolina, Clemson, all the other programs around the state. And let's get a little preview of the two teams, South Carolina and Clemson, from their head coaches. First, USC coach Mark Kingston, who met with the media. What day was that? Wednesday, Thursday, he met with the media, took some questions about his team. Anybody hurt uh, that might not um, be ready for the start of the season? Uh, well, Jerzenbeck, as we know, is going to miss the season. Reese Markham is going to miss the season. But as of right now, uh, those are the only two. And then last year, I think we came in, it was kind of the opposite of this year. Knew what the pitching staff was last year. The offense had a question. Now the offense seems to be set. How do you think the pitching will develop over these next three weeks for the first game? I think you're right. I think it's a very similar situation, and I've mentioned this a few times. Uh, Last year going into the season, everybody knew about our pitchers. They were established. 
they had had success. And so I think we were ranked because of our pitching last year, uh, and nobody knew what our hitting would look like. And in inner squads, our pitching had been dominating our hitting. Um, but then the season started, and we scored 20 runs on opening day, and we kind of took off from there. Uh, and it seems to be the reverse this year. Uh, I think our, our hitting is pretty well established when you have two All-Americans returning, when you have a 19 home run guy returning, uh, and you have a lot of other really good hitters back that are a year stronger, a year better. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say our offense is going to be really good. Um, and I think that's probably why we're ranked where we are right now. But I think our pitching has a chance to respond exactly the way our offense did last year. Uh, they're being challenged every day. Um, but I think we've got some really good candidates, uh, both for the rotation, for the bullpen, and I expect our pitching to step up uh, just like our hitting did last year. Mark, when you have a season like last year, you make the run to the Super Regionals, and although you came up short of making it to Omaha, what, what kind of excitement and enthusiasm and momentum does that create for the offseason? And can you see it in the, how the guys attack the weight room or fall practice? Yeah, I think so. I think I think last year was a really good year for us to kind of show that, that we were getting this thing exactly where we want it to be. Uh, we've built on the momentum in the transfer portal. We've built on the momentum uh, in recruiting the younger high school kids at this point. Uh, and I think the returning players know that, that this is what we're capable of doing. At one point, we were a national championship contender last year until we lost two-thirds of our weekend rotation and we lost catcher and a shortstop and a second baseman. Uh, at one point, we were a national championship contender. So I think that's bringing that buzz into the building that, that we're, we're back there where we want to be, where we need to be. So uh, we're building on it. This team always works hard. You know, even before last year's season, this team works hard in the weight room and in the cages and the bullpens. It's a, it's a program built on blue-collar work ethic. Always, always has been, always will be. Um, but I think our guys know that we have some pretty good momentum right now. Roman Kimball's finally healthy. I know you were excited about him going into last year. For those of us who haven't seen him pitch in a year and a half, what does he bring? What is, you know, kind of what's the scouting report there? And what do you think his ceiling is for this team? Yeah, well, Roman uh, has the ability to be a weekend starter in our league. Uh, at his best, he's 95, might touch 96. Uh, he's, he reminds us of a Roy Oswalt. Um, so for the non-baseball traditionalist, look up Roy Oswalt. He's a little undersized, but a, a guy with an extremely quick athletic motion, um, quick arm, uh, has a really good breaking ball. Last fall, he was statistically was our best pitcher last fall before he got injured. So we're very excited about him. Um, you guys know him probably as well or better than I do, thanks to all his YouTube videos. Uh, so... Uh, he's a guy we're excited about, and, and he's he's not a finished product yet. You know, when you come back off of Tommy John, it takes some time. So he he'll be better later in the year than he is early in the year. Um, but I just hope he's raring to go and ready to go uh, very early. Hey, Mark, just wanted to ask you a little bit about the shortstop battle. Obviously, how good are you feeling about the two guys that you have right now? And then you add Jordan Carey into the mix. What did you like about him in terms of you know bringing him in um, last month? And what can he bring to the table in terms of that battle for the season? Well, we're, I think we're in pretty good shape there. Will Tippett is probably our most improved player uh, from his freshman season. He's put on some really good strength that has made his offense much better than it was last year. Uh, he has plenty of range for the position, and we love range at the shortstop position. Uh, he has that. He's a 6'5 runner. Uh, he's a gamer. He's a winner. As you guys saw last year, he battled through some serious injuries um, last year and just kept playing and playing hard. So uh, he's a guy we're very excited about. Uh, Lee Ellis is, is a freshman shortstop. Elite athleticism, another guy that's in that 6'4", six, 6'5", six, range, uh, plus arm. Uh, the offense is a little bit behind the defense right now. 
Uh, but he's a guy that can really go pick it and, and, and help you in a lot of different ways. And then we added Jordan because Jordan has a lot of starts uh, in his past at Florida, at Florida State. Uh, he's a guy that can play any position on the infield. Uh, and he just he, he brings uh, he, he's a plus defender. And, and that's a it's, we don't know if he's going to be eligible yet. You know, that's the key here. It's probably 50 50 whether he'll be eligible for us this year. If he's not, then he will roll over into onto next year's team. Um, but if he's healthy and he's uh, and he's eligible this year, uh, he'll be a guy that can help us at second, short, or third. All right, comments of Mark Kingston all on our website, sportstalksc.com, and up in our podcast area. Now to Clemson coach Eric Backich, who met with the media. Late this afternoon, things got pushed back because of the weather, and then he met with the media up there uh, prior to going into this afternoon's uh, practice. Here is some of what he had to say this afternoon. We've been uh, we've been together since the semester started in a couple of weeks now, but excited about this team, um, really because of the, the the players within the team. Uh, watching them grow and, and improve and come out in the fall on a mission and uh, that just that hunger and that drive and um, just it just hasn't stopped and you just watch it watching a, a group of guys that have just been very very uh, persistent and intent on getting better and on on earning our way as we go through this start of this preseason into the season and just continuing to get better it's just what we see as a coaching staff we see guys that are just are just very driven right now and uh, so expect to have a great training session today another great one tomorrow another great one the next day and just keep on this path of of steady growth and improvement and so we can earn the opportunity to get hot at the end and be one of those teams that is competing to be the last team standing so um, we have no excuses. We, uh, we feel like we've got, got enough pieces and uh, really excited to see how these pieces come together over the next few weeks leading up to the start of the season and then seeing how, these, how it all evolves and how the roster uh, continues to, to, to take shape uh, as we figure out you know, who goes where and establish roles as the season continues. We're, we've never been, uh, at least personally, never been a, a believer in the Opening day lineup is going to match the end of the end of the year lineup. There's, I've actually never even seen that. Uh, always seen, you know, a fluid situation because things happen and guys improve and guys get opportunities. So really, really excited to watch how this evolves and watch us go and and grow and and uh, and get knocked down and get back up and you know really show what the identity of Clemson baseball team 127 is uh, throughout the course of this entire season. What impact do you think uh, Will Taylor hunting football, so to speak, and devoting himself full time to baseball will have in his game? Well, I, I I think it's it's all going to be positive. You know, every time I've talked about Will Taylor, I've talked about this is the first time in his life that he has specialized in baseball. You know, and it, if if we had a couple more hours right now, we'd talk about how bad of an idea it is for young kids to sports specialize. You know, at a young age, and Will Taylor is who he is, the explosive athlete that he is, because he was an athlete first, and he sports sampled, and he played football and baseball and wrestled and other sports, and it has uh, helped him become this dynamic player. Uh, and now that he is, uh, he is exclusively focusing on on baseball. Uh, just seen, you know, just another another 
level of his progression um, because he has the time to devote to it. So excited for him. Really appreciate his family, their willingness to give up a full scholarship in football, uh, to have no scholarship in baseball. And they talked about um, the gratitude that they have for Clemson University, for Coach Sweeney, the football staff, the people here who have enriched his life, uh, and they were willing to to make that sacrifice financially for what you know is an investment into his future. And, uh, because I think everybody recognizes that baseball he's got a he's got a very bright future in baseball. So uh, really appreciate you know the Will Taylor uh, the Taylor family uh, and and what. Willie Taylor means to our program and the leadership that he exudes when he's out here. What are the key attributes that you see in him as a baseball player? Well, he's got all five tools. You know, people, scouts, this grading system of five tools, hit, hit for power, run, field, throw. He can do it all. Uh, there's nothing that, that he lacks. He's, he's you know, uh, good in everything. And uh, guys who are usually good in, in everything are, end up being great players. And so he's just uh, very consistent. I was extremely impressed last year for a guy who's never sport uh, specialized or specialized in baseball and didn't have half the year's worth of repetitions to come out and have the plate decisions discipline that he had. Uh, plate decisions is one of the things that we value. You know, the ability to swing at strikes and take balls and make good decisions at the plate. And for a guy who missed the entire fall in terms of seeing live pitches to come out and almost be uh, in, a, in an in-season form of uh, making really good decisions at the plate, I think is a big part of his game and allows him to play at the top of his ability level consistently. Who are some of the names you see buying for spots in the starting rotation? Well, everyone that started in the past. Um, so guys that were in the weekend rotation last year at one point or another, Austin Gordon, Tristan Smith, Ethan Darden, Joe Allen, Billy Barlow, Rocco Reed. Um, you know, I mean, that's – we feel like we've got some good options there. We transfer Matt Marshall um, started a lot in his career. Oh, it feels like I'm missing somebody as well. Um, but, yeah, we feel really good about the uh, the depth uh, of the pitching staff on the starting end and feel just as good about the depth of the bullpen as well. We're Comments of Eric Backich from Clemson. All of it on our website, sportstalksc.com, and available in podcast form. All right, last night, LSU-USC averaged 1.56 million viewers according to ESPN and those who follow that stuff, making it the most watched game on TV last night. According to Sports Media Watch, the Celtics and Heat drew 1.38 million. Of course, keep in mind, we turned away. I mean, a lot of people turned away from that Celtics game because it was a blowout. Uh, We'll be back with recruiting. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. 
Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar in training Device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Give you recruiting now, brought to you by Seawells. Don't forget, next week, get ready for the daily luncheon buffet every day from 11 to 2 at Seawells. You got something coming up that needs the supreme, the supreme work of Seawells, the food caterers. You want to give them a call at 803-771-7385 and online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. South Carolina Clemson going to have a bunch of prospects on campus tomorrow for junior days. Here are some of the folks coming to Clemson who've announced they're coming in for visits. And these are guys who have not committed to the Tigers. Offensive tackle David Sanders, offensive tackle Braden Jacobs, Offensive tackle Mason Short, offensive tackle Mal Waldrip, offensive tackle uh, Chauncey Gooden, offensive tackle Jalen Beckley, offensive tackle Gavin Blanchard. Some of those could play guard. Also coming in, defensive end Bryce Davis, defensive end Isaiah Gibson, possibly. Sort of uh, possible on him because of basketball games, but he has indicated he's coming in. Uh, Defensive uh, lineman Isaiah Campbell. Defensive lineman Elijah Griffin. 
linebacker Jadon Harmon, linebacker Brett Clatterbaugh, cornerback Dallas Golden, cornerback Mark Manfred, and safety Jordan Young. For the Gamecocks, those who have indicated they are coming in, who are not committed already, include receiver Dylan Alfred, defensive end Anthony Addison, defensive end Jared Smith, offensive lineman Jalen Gilchrist, defensive lineman Juan Gaston, defensive back Jante Gilbert, cornerback Shamari Earls, athlete A.J. Brand, athlete Zeke Marshall. He's out of uh, Marshall, I think, is out of T.L. Hannah. They're in the 25 class. From the 26 class, receiver Jordan Gidron, receiver Donovan Murph, and defensive end Xavion Griffin-Haynes roll out of Rollsville, North Carolina. Defensive end Xavion Griffin-Haynes. All right, there you go. A few other notes. Clemson in big on an offensive lineman down in Florida who's not coming in this weekend. Zaver Addison, he's out of Riverview, Florida. That's down near Tampa. Clemson had a bunch of coaches in to see him with Sweeney and Riley. That's an understatement. And Luke <laughs> and Grisham. They all were in to visit him. He's 6'5", 270. He's got offers coast to coast. Uh, just picked up offers this week from Indiana, Tulane, Purdue, and Syracuse. And Billy Napier is in. Uh, Dan Lanning from Oregon uh, in as well. He's going to try to get to a visit to Clemson here sometime in the spring. I don't think he's taking any visits anywhere yet that I've seen, so that will be happening. South Carolina is in on Abbeville safety. Demarcus Leach, 6'3", 185. They offered him during a camp last June. They were the first to offer him, and he really appreciates that fact. And Torian Gray and Shane Beamer, they have been on him very strongly and are keeping in regular contact, and he likes the fact that they are making him a priority-type prospect. He was also offered last summer by Virginia Tech. He picked up other offers from Vanderbilt, Duke, and most recently Appalachian State. And as far as what's ahead for him, he uh, wants to take some official visits before he decides anything as far as a decision on a commitment. Wants to take more visits in March and April uh, as well and then make that decision. USC offered running back Antoine Raymond of Clearwater, Florida, and 27 cornerback Kenton Dobson III of Miami. Clemson target, former Alabama commitment offensive tackle Mason Short was re-offered by Alabama. 26 offensive tackle Anthony Baxter of South Point offered by ECU and Appalachian. Receiver Malik Clark of Rock Hill offered by Cincinnati. And, Chris, we have a new head football coach at Michigan. Yes, Coach Moore, the assistant coach for them. He's just signed evidently a five-year deal starting at $5.5 million. So they props have to a, him and watch out for the NCAA. Yeah, they're coming. They have a tough schedule next year as well. Four. Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit. And that's when my caddy lost sight of it. That little white pellet has never been found to this day. But it went straight down the middle, like they say. Whack down the fairway. Welcome back, everybody. Time now for Birdies, Bogies, Biceps here on Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media 
Network brought to you by Tsunami Bar Sports and Fitness. And we welcome in George Brian Third Here on Sports Talk once again, been a long day for George. He was in Orlando at the PGA, the annual PGA event where they show you all the new stuff on um, in the golf world. Got to be a lot of fun in terms of uh, equipment and technical stuff and fashion and shoe wear and gloves. It's a great showcase event down there in Orlando. And as we bring in George, let me update what's happening. We are into round three of the farmers out in San Diego. Round three because they started on Wednesday because they did not want to uh, go up against the NFL on Sunday, and who could blame them for that? So we have a tie for the lead. Uh, Stefan Yeager, a 64, and Thomas Detry, a 68. They are 11 under. Matthew Pavon, 65. He's 10 under. And George, feel free to correct my non-English here. Nikolai Hoygaard, a 66. He is 10 under par. Uh, as far as some of the local guys who are still in it, we got Carson Young, a 72 today. He's five under. And Ben Martin's going to make a check, 72 for Ben. He's four under. Those are the two from South Carolina who ended up making the cut for what's left of this tournament one day over the weekend. George, welcome in. How was uh, Disney's world down there in Orlando? Well, we uh, I didn't go inside the gate. But I did, uh, we had a meal or two just on the outside. My wife did check out, and she went inside the gate for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, i tell you what's really cool. Uh, uh, this, uh, the whole area is, there are a lot of people. It's still very popular. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. It was, it was a little warm. It's 85 degrees, and Orlando is, is crazy fun. There's just too many things to do. Uh, it's too bad we have to sleep. Mm, I got plenty in. I've uh, walked that PGA show, which is over a million square feet, round and round for two and a half days. But uh, and and that the PGA show is back to full strength. I hadn't seen it that way in over five years. So there's a uh, hey, there's a, there's so much there's so much wonderful technology now. Uh, we can go on and on. Uh, about it and uh, the fashion there's also some pretty good fashion out there now what was really cool see uh it used to be focused all on guys now it's stretched out now it's plenty of women's fashion juniors uh and that that was pretty good to see all the youth and ladies fashion that's out now so yeah full week for g3 no question well Let's uh, talk, first of all, about Nick Dunlap, who announced yesterday he is turning pro, announced his decision on Thursday in a campus news conference four days after the reigning U.S. amateur champ won the American Express, and he did so as an amateur with a six-foot par putt on the final hole, and he withdrew from the event this weekend to go back and visit with his family and his friends, which included Alabama golf coach Jay Sewell, a South Carolina guy from down in Aiken, right? The Sewell family from down that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so a couple of things that pose at you here. 
that we've been talking about and we don't have an answer to. Uh, first of all, your thoughts on him going ahead and turning pro after getting that win, number one. Number two, in today's world where everybody gets paid, I mean, college athletes, he probably getting some NIL money at Alabama while he was there. He gets paid. Everybody gets paid. Nobody is viewed as a quote-unquote amateur in the old world sense anymore. How is it that the the PGA can get away not paying this guy his prize money for winning that tournament? Now, <laughs> answer those questions for us, simple. please. <laughs> it's real simple. When he signed up, it's, it's still some old school registration forms, and that's a contract. And the contract he signed, he signed up as an amateur. And you sign and submit, you play the event, and – you know what the consequences are, so it's like any other binding you, legal contract. You think it would hold See? up in court if somebody said, hey, seriously, nobody is an amateur anymore, guys. Let's pay this guy what he won. You know, <laughs> you bring up something I never thought about. Uh, and I Correct me, I didn't see that there was any kind of contingent about uh, getting the prize money. I, I was really thinking about Bozenhawk. He's uh he finished the second but gets first prize money. I'm kind of happy for him. He's... <laughs> Don't you think he feels kind of uh, cheap though? It's like, hey, honey, you know, I won one and a half million dollars because this this teenager or this twenty year old, you know, beat us all, but I get the money. He's not getting hey, that I money tell you, back. No, though. he doesn't. I pro- I promise you, he's not complaining one bit. And and uh, you know, if there's anything, he's he didn't get a shot at playing in a. Uh, well, he's probably still in Augusta with his ranking, but he doesn't get a chance uh, to get that V, the victory. And when it comes to Dunlap, I did have a chance to meet him, short conversation with he and I think it was his mom at in Bermuda. And he is a fine young fella. And you mentioned J.C. Willie. He's the coach of Alabama, and he comes out of uh, unbelievable Hall of Fame stock. The Sewell family mm-hmm. is uh, they are the standard of kind and generous like no other I've ever met. And from top to bottom, left to right, the Seawolves that I'm familiar with are just simply unbelievable folks. Great for the game of golf. And Jackie Seawolf, I took what he was doing and and tried to emulate. His boys loved him. His, he's Actually, he's got a daughter. Also, he's a great, was a great family man, and I took off after teaching based on what I saw him doing, and more than anything, the way others spoke of him. So, J.C. will great man, Daniel at uh, Hounds Lake, great man, David Sewell. We talked a lot about David. He was on the tour. He's a great man. Mm-hmm. And although I don't know his daughter as well, I can only imagine just uh, the same, and J.C. will at Alabama. That's his his record speaks for itself. Uh, not just a champion man, but champion in in golf. His teams, I guess, his Alabama team would have to be over the last fifteen years. Uh, definitely the last fifteen years, one point something, if not number one in the country. Mm. So, uh, so when you get into a program like that, you get great coaching, great guidance. I'm glad to see him taking, and that is Nick Dunlap taking a little bit of time to go back and 
spend with his family. And regarding his decision to turn pro, just reel it back. I don't know how many years, I guess it'd be 60, 60 plus years ago that Jack Nicholas made such a decision. And his was real simple. That was the way he could test his skill against the best. And that's the way he felt that he would improve is by playing against the very best in the world as frequent as possible. And that's day in and day out, week in and week out. So I applaud his effort. I like, I think that's the right thing for him to do. Once you, once you prove you're that good, what's next? Well, the next would be challenging the record books, I think. So there you have it. That's what I think about his decision to turn pro. I love it. All right. Now he could be great for golf. So, now that takes me to um, my next topic. We are still on the West Coast swing of the PGA Tour in this early season before the tour moves to Florida. And I can remember a few years ago, your son, Wesley Bryan, on the West Coast Tour, uh, started putting things together and had maybe... But it... no, hang on, hang on. It... <laughs> hang on, hang on. You can correct me or you can guide me here. But I recall he got really hot on the West Coast and started having some great finishes and was in the money. And then, of course, you come east, and then eventually he won uh, down at, at Harbortown uh, to, to highlight what was a great season for him that year, however many years ago that was. And so my question to you is, for these, uh, for the for the success of a season, how is it? it how, how important can it be for a golfer? Uh, to to get hot on the West Coast swing, you know, through California and through the desert and all that, before they come to Florida and start the Florida swing. And then, of course, everything is geared up towards the Players' Championship now in March and then the Masters in April. How important is that West Coast swing for these guys to kind of kind of find it and then bring it east with them? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's for some, extremely important. And in in regards to Wesley, it was the reason I was giggling. It was not at, it wasn't at Torrey Pines where he got hot. Uh, he he uh, although I think he seems like he got close. That golf course has gotten the best of him most of the time he's played. That's why I was giggling. Okay. And speaking speaking of the uh, the West Coast, I, it just breaks my heart that John Rahm and Phil Mickelson aren't playing. That they love that golf course and. They they bring the light to the telecast, and you were trying to figure out names. Well, right before we went on, I'm looking at the leaderboard trying to <laughs> figure out <laughs> names as well. I haven't, I've never done that before. Yeah, and even right now, right now, I am familiar. These guys really are good. However, and it's really cool to see Trace Co- Trace Crow. You mentioned uh, the South Carolina. He's right there in it at eight under par, and today. Yeah, he shot three under. So, Trace Crow, uh, I think he went to Auburn, and he, uh, let's see here. Is he a South Carolina kid? Well, he's from Charlotte, went to Auburn. He spent some time. That doesn't qualify uh, as one of ours. He spent time, though, in South Carolina playing around. Yeah, well, I think he is. I'll claim him. <laughs> he's a fine young fella, too. <laughs> we, and, uh, we have different standards. Go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, anyway, I, it really, I'm trying to look at the leaderboard. There's one name, Finau, 
that is a name. And yeah. I, I have to, I have to say, I'm scratching my head, going, you know, there's that's a problem. Uh, it, regarding where the West Coast fits on a schedule, these guys, some of them don't do much over the winter break, not much of a break anymore, and they'll get out, just tee it up, just to knock some rust off and see where they are. Uh, you can you can see it's not a a field where if the stars were there. I'm, another name I was kind of surprised not to see on top. Not even sure he's in the field is Ricky Fowler. Mm-hmm. Ricky's played really good at at that at that uh, event. Now there's some young folks, and that's Nick Dunlop can Dunlap can really play. I think that's a great decision. There's another uh, a bird. This guy could be another. So. We're going to have to start doing a little research and background on the uh, on the games of these young fellows. I know there's two things. They hit it really, really hard and far, and they putt it really, really good. They have some cool heads. and But as far as the West Coast swing, uh, in Wesley's case back long ago, and I, I recall we even had a conversation about Johnny Miller. He would He would start off hot and set the tone for the rest of the year. Uh, then Wesley did get he, – I think he played good, really good at Riviera. That was pretty neat. He was at one point one – he was in first place. I think he actually switched around, spent most of the time second, third, or fourth right behind event that Dustin Johnson won. That was cool to see them. But then he came to the this side and was – and had several uh, top finishes and eventually won at Harbortown. It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. I hate to break in. It's kind of sad that here we are talking, and, and yeah, we don't talk about Rom. We don't talk about Mickelson. We don't talk about Johnson. Uh, Out of sight, out of mind right now with those guys playing on the Live Golf Tour. Very odd. It's not just just sad. It's odd, and – uh, I'll be real interested. Wesley actually went out this week to play with John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau. Oh. And, uh, and there, I think they were filming uh, special things uh, coming up. I know at least some of it will go on Brian Bro's TV and Brian Bro's YouTube channel. And I'll, I'll be real curious to find out what uh, what could be happening as far as – and, you know, we talked about the season and how it shakes out. I don't know if you remember, but there were several redos and reshuffles. And now that I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea what could happen in 2024. You know, right now we're operating under a set of circumstances, but there could be some announcement where prayerfully there's a shuffle, a reshuffle, a redo, and get these players back somehow on the PGA Tour. That would be just awesome. I think. I think that's what the what 2024 needs, and I'll be hoping, even praying for that, just to be honest with you. Uh, visiting George Bryan the third here, Birdie's Bogey's Biceps around South Carolina. We'll talk about the biceps part uh, in just a moment. But before we get to that, I also wanted to uh, ask you about um, the equipment that you saw at the showcase. I I'm just reading a story here about the new drivers that Callaway introduced this month and put on sale to the public today, the Paradigm A1 Smoke Woods and Irons. And this thing looks snazzy. I have no idea what it costs, but you're seeing a lot of AI, a lot of artificial intelligence going into the 
the new wave of equipment? What did you see as you walked around that place? What I, it was uh, just every single thing I picked up now is, feels really good. That's a problem. <laughs> That's a major problem. And I will say the Paradigm, I don't have that brand new Paradigm, but that Callaway, that is the absolute best driver that I have hit. Mm. And I do have a new set of irons, the Tacoma, which wasn't probably featured in any of the magazines, but that's an iron that Justin Rose played a few years ago. And Wesley's playing them now. And uh, although I'm, I did not even go in their booth, didn't look for their booth, I've got a set of their irons, and I'm going to be – I love them. But the, everything that I touched from the Cobra, spent a little time in Cobra, Ping, a uh, little bit in Titleist, Callaway. I mean, there's nothing I picked up that didn't feel great. Some awesome putters, too. That's uh, So just about all the technology now is seems to be just hair-thin difference between one another. It all looks good. Mm-hmm. All of it. All of it boils down to this, the layers of fitting. So it's about like shoe sizes. I've used this analogy in the past. Uh, at one point, there was, uh, I'll just throw it out, uh, small, medium, and large, maybe not shoe sizes, but small, medium, large, and now it's more like shoe sizes from from zero to 20, except, and it's not in half sizes, not even in quarters, not even in thirds. We're talking about increments that are so thin, and the technology to fit. So the technology for fitting is so good, and then the experts doing the fitting. Speaking of experts, I know Club Champion is, uh, to me, they have the widest variety of options, and the across the board, their fitters are just spectacular. And we got to – I have to do some research. I know we got a Club Champion location right here in Columbia, and those, those – uh, Tory Hyatt and – and Cody Conklin, they're both spectacular. They may have somebody else over there, but so the the key though is making sure that if you like it, and I like everything I picked up. Usually, I don't like everything. Mm-hmm. Fairway woods and hybrids, for whatever reason, they look better than they ever have, and that probably is due to AI, artificial intelligence. But the, the key is making sure you get the right shaft that fits you, the right weight, like right length, the right lie angle, the right club face, the progression, and everything is adjustable, bendable, and if it's a little off, it can be tweaked, but you, it's, the key is finding what's right for you. Yeah. Steel shafts, they still make those? Oh, yeah, baby. And it's uh, – but they. But what's really cool is they're light. They are uh, – they, they can put the flex in the – Anywhere they want in these shafts, and I still am a fan of steel. Mm-hmm. The old, uh, and even even though hey, the graphite for the fairway woods and driver, and then steel in the irons uh, is still my preference. Although, as I climb that chronological ladder, I can see it going the other way. Still, <laughs> just Speaking of steel, let's talk a few moments here before we sign off about you know, hands of steel, arms of steel that you can get from Tsunami Bar Sports? 
Yeah, well, ours is actually rubber thermal. It's patented technology. It's live weight. It's safe. Probably the best thing about it is the the feel, not steel, but the feel. And feel can now be studied uh, in through tension and increments, just about like I talked to you in terms of fitting, where you can use this technology and use very low-intensity movements but get a, a high return in terms of strength, but most important, what we need in, in all athletics, and this is what David Abernathy, the inventor, says, it's feel, F-E-E-L, but also getting this, the work you put in the weight room to the field. Hmm. Feel and to the field, baby. That's what our product and technology is strong about. And Tsunami Bar Sports uh, is branched into artificial turf, so building artificial turf greens, outdoor, any outdoor products that has to with synthetic turf and also simulators. So I studied and studied up on the simulator technology and anymore, I think uh, as we, I know we've got just a couple of minutes, but uh, the simulator training is growing faster, probably the fastest growing technology out there that folks can have right there for their house. So not only can people put artificial greens in their backyard, they now can have some of the best simulator technology. Tsunami Bar Sports is a true uh, true golf dealer, and uh, true golf is is a camera technology. We'll we'll get into detail as we move along. But the beauty about sim technology, uh, Gran Turismo was something we spoke of last month, talking about uh, the simulator race car guy that that went on to. to to be a champion on the actual racetrack and part of the part of the, the beautiful thing about sim training or simulator training is it's more real than ever before so you can write in a garage in a in a frog in a basement uh, you can now practice your golf game play any course in the world with a high quality of simulation transfer so Get your game right at home. Nothing like that. That's the uh, best I got for tonight. And I know we're winding it down on time, Phil. It's always a pleasure. I'm, it is. A lot of fun. Sorry we didn't get Patrick on. Patrick, you, you awake? You I'll out tell the door you, yet? I got Feel one great? quick thing for you. I say it tongue-in-cheek, but I can't stop laughing at this. Apparently today CBS Live on Television was doing one of their kind of pan-around cameras and I'm a I'm a butcher his name, but uh, he's in fourth place. Hoygar, Hoygar, how Hoygard. do you say that? Hoygard, <laughs> Nikolai Hoygard. He is one of us. He went off to the side, off the tee box, and actually started to relieve himself. No, he did not. And CBS very quickly panned away. But oh my gosh! <laughs> but I, it's nice seeing athletes do things that the rest of us occasionally have to do out there too. They are one of us. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, not, what a way to close it out, man. That Thought does like it that. for me right there. Hey, until next week, you guys uh, tee them high, but shoot them low. Thank you, George. I like that shoot them low part, Chris. Got to go get a course record somewhere. Go get a personal best. 
Chris might have fallen asleep. I think he might have. I'm still here. Sorry, I lost you for just a second. I was going to wish you a, a great weekend, a good ball I game tomorrow. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Same to you guys. And keep an eye on our weekend. website tomorrow, coverage of the USC and Clemson basketball games. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.